Now, when I say the word power, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Go ahead and shout it out to me. Power tools. Put it in the chat, by the way. Think of the words. Power tools. Okay, what else? Dan Shields. Dan Shields. Thank you. Thank you. I will pay him Noah later, you know. Yes. What else? Power. Strength. Sports cars. A 67 Chevelle S. S. Anybody else? What? Biceps. Okay. He said his biceps, but I'm going to look at yours. Power Rangers, right? Power. All these things come to mind when we say the word power. Now, you understand, we constantly are looking for or using power in our lives. Uh, Good luck driving a car without some power. Uh, Without power in your house, you know, or those of you who are watching online, you may be watching from a smartphone, without a battery, good luck watching and be a part of services. Without power or lights, you would have a hard time seeing or hearing me today. electricity. You know this. Without coffee, some of you wouldn't be awake right now. Amen. I got some amens in that one. Hopefully we'll get some amens about Jesus too as we keep going. Uh, Without uh, a workout, some of you wouldn't generate the power you need to get through your day. All right. Sometimes power is based on authority or oversight. Some of you have power at your job based on your title. Others of you have power based on your age. You might be an older sibling to a younger sibling. Uh, Some of you are parents, and you have some perceived power over kids. You know, we all know that as well. Now, here's how you know. Here's the real test if you have real power in your life. Who controls the remote in your house? That's the power. That's where it's actually demonstrated. It's important because we're in this series, as you know, called He Will Be Called, and we are looking at what Jesus would be known for. What are the titles that he would be talked about. And in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says these, these words, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Last week, we talked about how he's our Wonderful Counselor, and tonight, I mean today, we're going to spend the rest of our time talking about Mighty God. Now, Mighty God, you know, is a Hebrew word that's actually pronounced El Gabor. Say El Gabor. El Gabor, you know, it means powerful. It means full of might. And there's some awesome characteristics about God that you may or may not be familiar with. Like, for example, God is omniscient. That means that he knows everything, that he even knows your thoughts. Now, I used to think it would be cool if I could actually know other people's thoughts, and then social media was invented, and I said, forget that. I don't, don't need to know what anybody else is thinking. God is also omnipresent. Omnipresent means is that God is everywhere, and he could be at multiple places all at the same time. We have very little understanding of that. The only way we can begin to understand that is the invention of radio, TV, and the internet. Is that right now, literally, you could be watching me online here or in Australia, Now, God can be in those places. I can only just be shown in some of those places across the world. God is also omnipotent, which means that he is all-powerful. He is El Gabor. Say El Gabor. There's your word for the day. He can do 
anything, nothing is too hard for God. God is almighty, all-powerful. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says that I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. What kind of power does Jesus have? See, he lived up to that description of mighty God by his life and by his words. Like, for example, his miracles. In Luke chapter 5, verse 17, it says, The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. His miracles. How many times did he do the miraculous in people's lives? And we said, only God can do those things, which is why they said, you know what? That's got to be God. He's a mighty God. Or maybe his words. How powerful were his words? Matthew 22, 29. Your mistake, Jesus says, is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Words are powerful. You know this. I know this. It, words have the power to build up, to encourage, to give life and meaning and hope in another's lives. It can also be used to tear someone down in a moment. How much more so with the power of God and his words? You go back to the very, very beginning, and God spoke creation into existence. In the beginning, he spoke the heavens and the earth by his very words. Uh, you think about who caused the flood of the entire earth. That's some pretty serious power. Who sent the 12 plagues in Egypt and divided the Red Sea for the Israelites to pass? Who provided bread daily for his people? Who took down the walls of Jericho by a very shout? Who led his people to the promised land? Who overthrows kings and kingdoms? A God, our God, and most importantly, proof of all of that stuff takes place by his resurrection. He has power over sin and death itself. In Ephesians 1:19, don't miss this. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the worlds to come. No government, no king, no queen, no authority has greater power than the king of kings and lord of lords. Amen? Amen. That's who we serve. That's who we worship. He will be called mighty God. God has put all things under Christ's feet and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is the body of Christ. It is made full and complete by him who fills all things everywhere with himself. This is evidence. This is when he spoke, he spoke as one who had authority and power. When he did miracles, he did things that nobody had ever seen before. And by his resurrection, they looked and said, this is God in human form. He will be known as mighty God. But what's really cool is that we have serve a God. We serve Jesus who doesn't keep the power for himself. His desire is to take all that authority and all that power, and he wants to give it to us. Think about that for just a second. Jesus's power is at work in you. In fact, in, in Romans 8, 11, it says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The same power that we celebrate the resurrection that can overcome death, you and I have access to because of the great gift that God wants to give to us. But the question becomes, how? 
How do I tap into that power? Because I don't know about you, but I find myself shrinking back instead of courageously moving forward in life and faith in him. And he tells us how to do it. The first, and it sounds funny if it's almost like an oxymoron, it's actually to surrender. And that's the opposite of what our culture, what anybody else would teach you. To find strength, you don't surrender. To find strength, you press forward, you build up, you go on the attack. No, we surrender to Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's the opposite, but that's how it works. Because the power that we need is not our power. We need a power greater than ourselves. And only we see that power that's greater than ourselves is daily, regularly, we surrender to Jesus as Savior, knowing what he did to conquer sin and death, but also as Lord, saying, not my life, but your life now. I want to live by your will and your power in my life. See, Acts 1.8 tells us this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So how do I receive the Holy Spirit? How do I get the Holy Spirit in my life? By putting faith in Jesus Christ, surrendering to him. Acts 2.38, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins, which is to do a U-turn in your faith to admit, I don't have enough power to save myself. I fall short. I can never measure up. I can't do more good to overcome the bad in my life. I need God, and I turn to God, and I'm baptized then in the name of Jesus Christ after putting my faith in him for the forgiveness of our sins. Then we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible tells us. And so now we have this power that's in us. And so how do we tap into that? Well, daily, we've got to connect to God's spirit through his word and prayer. Remember, Jesus says the reason they called him mighty God was through words, through the word of God. Uh, uh, 2 Peter 1, 1, 3 says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. The reason that you and I don't live the life that God has called us to live is because we keep living according to our power. We're not relying on the power of God. We keep thinking, I got this. I'm an American. I'm a Christian. I'm strong. I'm young. I'm capable. I got it together. I got the experience. And you don't in order to live the godly life God's called you to live without his power. We've all received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. How many times do we read in God's word as they prayed, as they listened, as they took in, and as they worshiped, they experienced the power of God? How many times do we see God's people gather together Regardless of circumstances, regardless of culture, regardless of persecution, regardless of plague, and worship God together and receive the power that takes place as we just experience together as we worship him. Let me give you an example. This morning, uh, I was uh, looking in Acts 16. And in Acts 16, Paul and Silas are going around the, 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 the city of Philippi, and they're proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Well, they, he casts out this, this, this girl who was possessed by a demon and stirs up the whole city. They get beat to a pulp, right? They're left in stocks and not a fun club med prison. I'll just tell you that right now. And they were, they were in, the, in the middle of the night. Now, how would you respond if you just get beaten? I'd be like, God, why me? What did I do to deserve this? The only thing I did was proclaim your name and I'm in prison. Where are you, God? Where is your power? And then about midnight, here's what we see. 
they were singing and praying to God as the other prisoners were listening. And as they sang and as they prayed, because worship is just prayers to melody, you know that's what it is. As we proclaim who God is, tell him who he is, tell him what we think of him, an earthquake shook the place. And the doors flew open. The jailer tried to kill himself. They said no. He comes running in, falls at their feet, and asks, what must I do to be saved? The power of God was unleashed through God's people as they worshiped and as they prayed. So will we trust that God is working in us every day? Will we trust that he's working in you? Philippians 2.13 says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power, once again, to do what pleases him. Uh, this is one of the best ways that I could, I could illustrate it. So I found this, this green balloon, okay? This represents my or your life, right? So I'm gonna blow this up based on my power, right? Based on my win. All right, so I've got my life. Here's my life. I'm gonna do the best that I possibly can by my effort to reach God. So I'm here, and I'm like, okay, I'm here, I'm here. No matter how high I do it, I can't get there, can I? By my own power, by my own breath. I don't have the power within me. I need something greater than me to come in me that gives me the power to get to where God wants me to be. So I think I have my little assistant. Oh, you're so cute. Let's give it up for Eric Svensson. No, keep that mask on. Nobody needs to see that. All right. Same person. This is me. But instead of me trying to live a godly life by my power, instead of me trying to live the way that I think I should live by my direction, my effort, my getting up and doing more and trying to be the better person, I say, no, God, I need your power. I need you to work in me to take me to heights that I couldn't get to on my own right? How much effort did that take on my part? No, it took nothing but me connecting to God, listening to his spirit, guided by his word in constant prayer to receive this mighty God. See, Jesus is a power. He's at work in us, but you also know that it's not just for us. Jesus wants to use his power, mighty God, through us to make a difference in the lives of others. See, God's best power, and this one is discouraging in one sense, is actually best displayed in our weakness, right? If, if I've got it all together, then, then I can just show people, well, the reason I got here is because look at me, but when I am weak, then I am strong. See, the apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christians of all time, he had this thorn in the flesh, this, this tormentor of Satan that was coming to him, and three times he pleaded, begged God, please take this away from me, and here was God's response. No, my grace is all you need. Why? Because my power works best in weakness. So now, Paul says, I will glad, be glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me 
That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. COVID 2020. All right, this has been that year that has caused us to be uncomfortable, that's caused us to go to places that we don't like. But could it be that God wants to use everything that's happened this year to cause us to become weak so that we have to rely on him and his strength and never go back to what we used to be even when this is over? That's what he's calling us to be and do. That's the power that he wants to do in our lives. I don't know if you've ever been in a dilemma recently. Now, a dilemma technically is a no-win situation. That seems to be where God seems to do his best work. Consider the nation of Israel, right? God just showed his power by these 12 plagues. Now, they're running from the army of Egypt. At the time, probably the greatest army on earth at that time is on their heels. And where does God lead them to a dead end? Leads them to the beginning of the Red Sea. There's no place to go. They got the sea on one side and they got the army on the other. Why would God do that? So that they would cry out to him. Now, what's interesting, if you reread that passage, they cry out to God, and they, but they complain to man, which is a whole different sermon in and of itself. We can talk about that later. But they cry out to God. God opens the Red Sea and about a million people cross on dry ground. So my question for you is, what dilemma are you in? What situation are you in that you need to cry out to God so that he can display his mighty power in you or through you in the lives of other people? You don't have the strength to persevere, but he does if we would just lean and wait upon him. You know, maybe most importantly, how God wants to use his power through us is so that we can share his life and his message with others who don't know it. That's the purpose of why we're here for all eternity. This life is but a blip compared to all eternity. The power and the perspective that people who follow Jesus should have is this is not our home. I'm a citizen of heaven. And because of that, I'm going to live differently in order for other people to take notice. And I can give credit not to my own power, but to the power of God in me. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving anyone who believes the Jew first, but also the Gentile. Jesus, the mighty God, has power over sin and death, which is why the Apostle Paul says this. When you have that kind of mindset, he can say this phrase. You know what? For me, to live is Christ, but to die is actually gain. Who says that? Do you not understand what kind of power that gives a person? Hey, you, you want to kill me? Great. I get to go be with Jesus for all eternity. Let's get it on. They're like, no, no, we don't want to kill you. you know, we, want, we, want, we want to torture you. We want to, we want to beat you and put you in prison. He goes, oh, great. You know, every time you do that, it's going to count it all the more. The glory that I'm going to receive on the other side, the crowns are going to give me. Whack away, man. Let's do this. And you're like, okay, well, we're going to set you free then. You're going to set me free? I'm going to keep telling people about Jesus until I go meet him face to face. What can you do to a guy who lives like that? Nothing. Because he's living not for himself. He's living so the power of God works in him and through him to those who don't yet know him, which is why in Acts 1-8, Paul lived this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. For what purpose? So that you can be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what you need to know about power. 
It doesn't happen unless you're in motion. Power doesn't happen until you take a step of faith. God's power is all around. It's always been, we kind of look at these stories and like, I don't see that around today. It's because we're looking at somebody else. We're not looking at our own life and saying, there is a step that God wants me to take. My step may be to accept Christ. My step may be to baptize in him. My step may be to wake up in the morning and spend time with him, allowing his power to come into my life. My step may be to trust him. Even when I don't want to trust him, I want to trust myself. There's so many steps that God wants us to take. And when we take that step of faith, God's power moves in our lives. In fact, there, I can't sum it up any better than one of my favorite preachers by the name of Tony Evans, who's got a little one-minute clip on what this means. And so why don't you hear it from him instead of me? As I've said before, in the rooms around the sanctuary, we've had to install motion detector lighting because people were leaving lights on. It was costing us too much electricity bills. And, and so we had to do something. So we installed motion detector lighting. You walk in the room, the light pops on. You walk out of the room, the light goes off so that we're not wasting electricity with folk leaving lights on. You walk in, the light comes on. You walk out, the light goes off. There's power in the room. There's lighting in the room. But it will not manifest itself until it detects movement. If there is no movement, that doesn't mean there's no power. That doesn't mean there's no light. That means that you haven't given it any motion. You haven't triggered it. God is real. God has power. God makes promises. But you won't see it until he sees motion. If there is no motion, it lies dormant, although it's really there. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. I told you I always wanted to be a black preacher. <laughs> They're awesome. I'm so jealous, you know, of that. That was... You know, we talked about youth ministry this week. You know, who needs some power today? Who needs the power? There's a step. There's a step that we've got to take. And so how will you tap into God's power today? How will you tap into his power uh, during this week? What is he calling you to trust him with? We serve a mighty God, El Gabor, and his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the power that we can receive from you. I ask, Lord, that you would just guide us online, that we would put in the chat what it is that we're being asked to do, what it is that you, we feel like you're calling us. What is that step where we need to trust or entrust ourselves to you? And if there's someone who doesn't yet know you, may this moment be the moment of salvation where your power rests fully on a person's soul and life. I pray that right now, whether people are in the room, whether they're at Otis, whether they're online, that we would just surrender and just say, God, today, this moment, I give you my life. I give you my life. And Father, since I'm not guaranteed tomorrow, help me live for what you would ask me to live for today, not by my strength, not by my power, but by yours. It's in Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen.